Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark, the week of November 7th, but it's actually November 9th, and if it had been November 7th, then maybe it would be happier, but maybe not, because they didn't win, I don't know. Either way, the Canucks are an absolute roller coaster, as the title suggests, and as always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? I'm okay, Parker. I'm okay. I, I missed you. You you do realize that I think that's the first week that we've missed in I think so forever. Because I know um, I was th- I had my busiest work week of the week last uh, of the year last week, and then you also had a couple things going on. So we just said, you know, this actually isn't going to work for the yeah, first time. It was, it, yeah, and, and you think of all the times that like you've been in Sweden. I was in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, yep. You know, Palm Springs. Like we've hockey always games. Yeah, we've always yep. made something work. We found a time. Yeah. Uh, but this week or last week, I was sick, so I didn't want to do the Monday show because I was right. in bed at about seven p.m. that night. Yeah, uh, and then I don't think any of the other nights worked for you. And then I still wasn't feeling great, so we just said, "Whatever, we'll run it to next week." It's not like the team's winning. Uh, actually, they were a little bit at the time, but uh, yeah, it was our first missed week in right. uh, in a year and a half, basically. And I think um, people missed us, which is nice to hear. Yeah, thank you for yeah. missing us. Yeah, he is better missed us. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and you know what happened, Parker? Despite what happened tonight, and I know because it's so fresh, recency bias, I know we're going to start with tonight. We probably should. But the Canucks actually picked up nine out of 14 points since our last our last uh, show. They went 4-2-1. and one. I mean, that doesn't sound good enough to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than the alternative. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, last time, last time we talked was... You know, it was October, probably 25th, 26th, somewhere in there. It was before I went to Seattle um, yeah. for their first win against the Kraken. So, yeah, they've had four wins in these seven games since. Um, they've been scored on a ton in that time still, uh, including tonight's 5-2, just absolute disappointment of a game uh, against Montreal. And, uh, so yeah, we'll go back. We'll we'll talk a little bit about sort of you know the last couple of games and more so where the Canucks are as a whole and and what we've been seeing. Uh, we'll talk about this weekend and and sort of how how big it might be and a lot of the talking points that we haven't discussed, right? Like the mm-hmm. old Jim Rutherford, Bruce Boudreaux stuff and <laughs> uh, how Bo Horvat's going to make sixteen million dollars next year. <laughs> yeah, and so how every time Thatcher, he scores, your, your number goes up in your tweets. Goes I up see. a little bit, and then Thatcher Demko <laughs> is now the worst goalie in the NHL, apparently, and, oh. and all these things that are sort of these these overarching storylines with the team. Yeah. Um, so Clay, where do you want to start tonight? Well. I- when you were saying how we, the last time we did this was two weeks ago and it was before you went to the Seattle game, it just dawned on me how bad the start was because, yeah, the Canucks were 0-7. There was like one extra, two extra time lot. They were 0-5-2 when we last yeah. did our show. Yeah, <laughs> and we had joked before that that we won't do a show until they win. And, you know, because of oh. course they're going to get a win, and they didn't. Um, but after That's- that, the curse was lifted. Um, you know, that five forward in Seattle where they did blow a lead, yeah. uh, again. Uh, and then there was that Penguins game that the Canucks won pretty handily. And I was like, oh, yeah, they yeah. beat the Penguins. That's great. And then actually, the Penguins haven't won since. Right. Actually, today. And, actually, and I think let's do this, Parker, if you may, if, if I may. Why don't we rip through those five games, cause, uh, like really quick? Because I did want to ask you a, a, a couple of things about a couple of those games, and then we'll concentrate on today's and t- uh, yesterday's. Would that make sense to you? Sure. Tell me about the Seattle Arena. That's what I want to know. It is really nice. It's yeah. a it's a beautiful rink. I like the two jumbotrons. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's really weird. There's only one concourse. Um, you know, if you go to Rogers Arena, there's huh? an upper concourse, there's a lower concourse. Yeah. Uh, theirs is kind of in the middle because the rink is actually below ground. Okay. Uh, and basically floor level is sort of in the middle of the two sections. So each yeah. section, there is an up and a down. And if wow. you are in the section below, you go down. If you're in the section above, you go up. Um, so it was really neat. Uh, we saw Francesco there. Uh, our seats were, uh, you might have saw on Twitter, I had a picture of yes, something. Yes, I did. Uh, our seats were sort of, I think, like maybe eight rows up in the upper bowl, sort of in the middle. And right above and in front of us was the like the entrances to all the owner's boxes and all the suites mm. up there. Um, so that's where we saw him just standing there talking to some guy. Uh, we wanted to yell some things, but we didn't. We held back because we did not want to get kicked out. So if there's only one concourse, was it really crowded or is it spacious? It was a it was a bit crowded, but it is pretty yeah. wide. Um, okay. You know, especially when you get to the longer portions of it, there's there's yeah. a, a lot of room, and you go to you. I found a weird hallway to like the American Express area, which was awesome <laughs> because they didn't check to see if you had a card, and there was no bathroom lines. So Sweet. I highly recommend look for the Amex signs if you're at uh, Climate Pledge Arena, um, and you're trying to avoid a bathroom wait at the intermission. That is awesome, and on Streamyard we can't. For some reason, we can't highlight when someone gifts memberships, but let's uh, give a shout out to Coach Rob, who basically, not basically, he did gift five memberships. So Japan Ford, Taylor Betts, SMW, Ann Lee, and James are all beneficiaries, and as are we of your generosity. So thank you, Coach Rob, for that. That's awesome. Thanks, Coach Rob. That's sweet. Yes. I so didn't then even they, notice because I didn't have the chat open. I just yeah, had no, the StreamYard chat. No, that's fine. You take care of this. I'll take, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And then we come home. You come home. Oh, no, you stayed down there, which is fine. And then I got to go to this Pittsburgh game where the Canucks smoked them. Smoked them. They 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 took their soul away because you said they haven't won since then? Until tonight. That oh. was, They lost six straight, if you include that game. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yes, yeah, six straight because, wait, they had lost the two games before that as well. Yeah. No, they lost seven in a row. Uh, and wow. so, yeah, they had been, I guess, uh, they were four Oh and one to start the year. And now the penguins are five, six and two. So okay. yeah, they went basically, Oh, whatever. They, they lost seven in a row. Okay. So very dominant performance by the Canucks. They look good. No problems there. Then we're all feeling good about ourselves. Two straight wins. And then we go up against a very fast and offensively minded New Jersey devils team. Yeah, and this New Jersey Devils team is, and again, you look at that, be like, oh man, they lost to the Devils. Like the Devils aren't great. The Devils are the best team in hockey right now. Like they're they're, crazy. I guess, uh, besides maybe Boston and maybe Vegas, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. they're ten and three. They are. They just score so many goals. They're so fast. Uh, you know, they beat the Flames last night too. Uh, twice, I guess they had them on back and back, back to back, a home and home. Mm -hmm. uh, which is weird to have a home and home against an Eastern team if you're yeah. Calgary. Um, but they did, and the Devils beat them both times. Uh, so, yeah, it, they lost to a really good New Jersey team, yeah. uh, seemingly. So, yeah, so tech, a great point, Parker. So, no shame, really, considering New Jersey rolled Calgary, uh, well, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Calgary. Well, wrong order. Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, and then Calgary again. So, no shame in losing the Devils. And then... Uh, an explosion of goals on Kevin Bieksa night. Yeah, and really just the third period, right? I mean, this game yeah. was this game was kind of even going to the third, uh, and then like there's eight goals scored in the third period. It's three two <laughs> after two, like a pretty normal hockey game that was pretty boring. And then you have John Shorthouse on the broadcast saying, 
uh, kind of a slow or like sorry, kind of a slow night or a low. Sorry, he said it's going to be a low event period, and the Canucks mm. are probably okay with that. And then eight goals get scored, um, which was quite bizarre and just an absolute mess of a hockey game, to be oh, honest. Yeah. yeah. Anaheim's defense is so bad, man. It's so bad. Uh, hey, watch where you're throwing stones from. All right. <laughs> I, I, I would not qualify the Canucks as much better. Uh, right. But no, it's it's two pretty poor defensive teams that have no. a couple of really excellent players, right? Whether that's Zegers yeah. and Terry and yeah. Comtois and, and all these guys in, in Anaheim yeah. or, or the Pedersen, you know, Kuzmenko gets his hat trick there. Horvat yeah. gets another multi-goal night. So, yeah. yeah, it's a very fun hockey game, even if maybe the coaches and goalies didn't like it too much. Yeah, that's right. The Kuzmenko hat trick. I think Petey had five points that five night points, or something. Yeah. yeah. So overall, if you like offense, that was a perfect game to go to. And then before we actually break down the, the two most recent games, a very strange game where the Canucks look like world beaters in the first period. And then the game slowly got away from them and they end up losing 4-3 in the shootout to the Nashville Predators. Yeah, this one was tough. Uh, Canucks had a three-goal lead, and things were feeling good, but it never felt that safe because um, they mm. did, they didn't feel like they had been dominant. You know, they they had the lead, they had a three-goal lead, but they didn't yep. feel like, hey, they're just going to keep the foot down and run away with it. That you could tell that they they slowed up a bit, and yeah, uh, Nashville just sort of worked their way back in. And again, any other year, we would think, hey, it's a three-goal lead, they're at least just going to pull this one out. You know, whatever. Um, but the Canucks keep blowing leads. They blow a three-goal lead this time. Uh, and you know, the shootout goes terribly, uh, with that Bo Horvat, uh, misstep, but I mean, who cares at that point, right? It's a shootout. It's, it's 50, 50 regardless. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the Canucks find, they just find a way to lose as they have done so many times this season. Parker, did you follow that story? Out? The guy on Instagram said that Horvat cost him $91 and Horvat said, give me your details. Yeah. And yeah. he didn't follow up. No, that's free money. Yeah. And then you had about three dozen people saying, Hey, I lost money too. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it would have been good for the bit one time, but maybe not a good precedent to set if you're, uh, if you're Bo Horvat. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, that, okay, so we ran through the, the six games that, or the five games it, since really the, the show we missed. Uh, and now they get back to back, and things started off well yesterday. It looked like, uh, what was it? Well, they actually played poorly in the first two periods, but uh, at least they got the win. I, I don't, I think, I, I don't know about you. I'm at that point where, I'm not going to critique the way they play too much uh, if, if they're picking up points. If that's what you want, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a double edged sword, right? Because we're we're past the point where if the Canucks go out and they look really good and they lose, um, which has happened this yep. year, um, yep. it's you know you can say ah uh, you know they, at least they looked good, but it's but you can also say it's too late for moral victories, right? This team is kind of they've put themselves behind the eight ball there back to being you know three games below 500 this early in the season a win tonight would have put them right on the edge of the playoffs but now yeah. you know, they're way outside of it again right I mean they're they're five points out of fourth in the Pacific Division uh, which is already a big uh, a big pill to swallow yeah. um, they're up against a Montreal Canadiens team that's not very good seemingly yeah. uh, you know they're seven six and one now which is fine for them but they're they're a re they're a team that's getting through a rebuild you know with when you got they just they're not a very good team yeah. right you have sam montembeau in net who has been great all year but you got to find a way to score uh and you know these two games uh, are basically 
whether you're playing if you're playing good and finding a way to lose then it's not good enough because you need to find ways to win if yeah. you're playing bad and winning it's like hey that's great that you got the two points but it's not sustainable and you're going to find more ways to lose in the future so at, at some point this, this team needs to just play better and the wins will come mm-hmm. theoretically um but there's really no room for error so before we get to tonight's debacle, last night's game, wasn't it funny how uh, Hamannick was basically involved on every single goal, whether it was him scoring, him getting beat, him a deflection going off him, him getting stripped of the puck. He was, he was all over the place last night. Yeah, the secret is that Travis Hamannick isn't very good, <laughs> and he had one good shot that got through. Yeah, um, yeah. But he got beat a lot. And, you know, some of the Canucks got beat a lot too, right? You look at that Rathbone-Bear pairing, and it, it didn't seem to be working. And I'll oh. always give a bit of leeway to young players playing together for the first time, right? Sure. That's a hard situation. Um, but, again, no, there's no time at this point in the year for, you know, oh, we were the better team and lost, even though they did win this game. But... Um, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta execute and that pairing wasn't great. You know, the, you know, I think Kuzmenko had a pretty rough night. He only played like a handful of seconds in one of the periods. Um, so all in all, just kind of a, a weird game where the Canucks got absolutely shredded for about 33 minutes. uh, And then that McKay of goal sort of turned things around. Yeah, McKeever, Yeah, that was a really nice goal, actually. And that was after mm-hmm. Dem, uh, Martin made that really good save on Kachuk, or it could have been 3-1. Yeah, with the yeah. pad, yeah. You got it. Then one minute later, uh, Pedersen behind his net to Hughes. Beautiful pass, Hughes back corner, all the way to the opposite blue line. McKeever takes it on his backhand, does a 180, has the speed to beat Hamnick, you know, uh, kind of misdirects Tal- yep, Talbot, and wow, what a goal. Yeah, it was a great goal. And yeah. you did the fact that you had to mention Hamannick makes it a worse goal. <laughs> we can just forget that it was Hamannick and it would yeah. be a little better. And uh, Horvat no, adding, I mean, yeah, Horvat adding to his totals too. Two goals last night, crazy. Yeah, and, and you look at, you know, just the shots on goal, right? You can you can skip the, you know, the deep analytics, the natural stat tricks because they tell the same story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Canucks got shelled through two periods. Shots 16-8 in the first, 19-8 in the second. So they're getting out shot 35-16 after two. Yeah. Uh, they end up scoring on their first shot of the third, that Bo Horvat goal. Yes. Um, and then they sort of just keep the pedal down. Um, and they sort of teetered on the edge of giving it up a couple of times, right? They had two two goal leads that both got broken down to one, um, but they never really gave it back after that uh, that yeah. Horvat goal uh, to start the third. Yep, uh, Garland with his two assists, yeah, and that uh, this interesting Besser. We oh, I don't know about you, I thought he scored. He was acting like he scored. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I literally had written down on my notes that it was Besser, and then as I was like going through and putting every all of the. the the names down on my list. Uh, I was like, wait, this is Ekman Larson scored. Okay. I guess that's who it was. Um, So maybe his stick was against the senators guys stick and they, it hit that one and whatever. (sighs) So how did you feel coming out? I I know we just talked about playing well and losing, but playing bad and winning. how did you feel coming out of last night's game? Not great. I, I looked at it as one of those, you know, coming into the season, we looked at the defense. We said, this is a team that's going to have to outscore their defensive problems right yeah. and that's what they yeah. did last night and sure they only had 28 shots but they had some high percentage chances they had some good looks mm-hmm. they were against uh, a goaltender in cam talbot who was outstanding two years ago and has completely fallen off uh seemingly over the last basically year i guess he was actually really good last year too 
yeah. but this year he's just not been great. He's not even yeah. the starter um, in in Ottawa, seemingly. So uh, it was nice that they got it done, but it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you got outplayed by a 4-7 and seven at that time uh, Ottawa Senators team. That's not good enough, right? You should yeah. be going out and, and dominating them, and, and maybe you do win 6-4, but you should be the team with 40 shots. Yes, not Ottawa. Yes. You should be the team that's that's got a seventy percent expected goals or seventy percent Corsi or whatever those numbers might be. Not the team you're up against being the Ottawa Senators who aren't very good. Um, so they sort of stole one, and yeah. it's because they they were the better team in one period. And Spencer Martin held them in after the first two, but mm-hmm. uh, a goaltender playing worse like Thatcher Demko has been uh, through two periods. That game might have been three two Ottawa or four two Ottawa. And then we're looking at, you know, again, 35 shots at that point um, would be totally respectable if a goalie's allowed three goals at that point, And then they're playing from behind the third period. And who knows how that ends up. So you trans uh, anything else you want to say about last night's game? I don't think so. Okay. So you move from last night's game to today's game. And there are some similarities and not just the fact that the Canucks are playing against a Eastern Canadian team. The today Montreal outshot Vancouver, not as badly as Ottawa outshot Vancouver in the first two periods. But you know the the thing I hated the most, Parker, was giving up a goal fifty seconds in yesterday, and giving up a goal fifty five seconds in today. Yeah, it's it's a problem, right? This team has zero ability to play a sixty minute game. We've <laughs> is what we've seen, right? the The first you know twelve or the first ten games of the season, it was all just a, abysmal third periods, right? Getting outshot yeah. thirteen to two in a third period was not out of the question. Um, for Vancouver, and now they've sort of flipped the script where they only play in the third period these last couple of games, right? They get completely outclassed in the first and, and second. And again, you're against a team that has more offensive capability at times yeah. than that Ottawa team does, and that's what happens when you get let them completely outplay you through two periods. You're down yeah. 3 nothing after one, and now you're thinking, okay, well... You know, if it's if it's one one and you've been outplayed that that hard, then you can say, okay, well, hey, maybe we wore them out a bit. We can go be the better team in the third period. Uh, but when you're going into the third period down four nothing, I mean, it's it's impossible to come back almost at that point, yeah. right? Maybe one yeah. in a hundred times you're going to pull that off. Um, but you you've just put yourself so far out of it that even if you go out and you have you know outshoot the opponent fifteen five in the third period. What's that going to do? Are you going to score four goals on those 15 shots? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. And the, gosh, it, it, there's so many things I want to talk about. I want to talk about Rathbone. I want to talk about Demko. But one thing very similar, another similarity between these two games. You, last night, the Canucks went 0 for 3 on the power play, and they only killed off three of five Senators' power plays. And that and one of them was that 13-second one in the game. So basically, two out of four. And then today, same thing. 0 for 2 on the power play. And they give up one power play goal right away to the Canadians. So, uh, yes, there, we know that penalty kill is the worst in the entire league. Power play was hovering at, at uh, number five, number six, probably dropped a little bit. But they, they're way better than 0 for 3, 0 for 2. They got They got to be. Look at the personnel. Yeah, and they have been, right? I mean, coming into tonight, I think they had the fifth best power play in the league, um, yep. which is great. The problem is they have been scored on um, by the opposing power play every game except two, I believe, at this point, which is absolutely absurd. Their penalty oh, kill their penalty kill improves tonight, allowing one goal on four chances <laughs> to 61.7%. Um, it's, it's just, it's such a big 
part of the problem, right? Yeah. You, you know, that there's that dumb stat that any real analyst will laugh at where, you know, you add the power play and penalty kill percentages together. If it's above 100, you probably have decent special teams. It's below 100, maybe you have bad special teams. I mean, yeah. the Canucks adds up to, you know, 88%, right? So that that's a 12% swing that is you know that they're just sort of throwing away and other teams are too right anaheim has basically just as bad as a penalty kill but no power play as well right. uh you know they boast the second worst in the league penalty kill and the second worst in the league power play but that's anaheim right that's yeah. not the a team that the canucks should be in the same conversation with but alas you know they're they're two points ahead of anaheim at this point yeah. Parker, I'm going to pull a, a first in a, a year and a half. Don't worry, nothing bad. I actually have to really go to a, uh, go a quick washroom break, like super quick, okay. because I drank a lot of water and I forgot to go before I press record. Before we... So tell you what, start talking about Thatcher Demko. I'll be back in 45 seconds. Oh boy, it gives <laughs> okay. me the fun topic. All right, um, here's the secret, folks. I didn't really watch this hockey game, the, this game against uh, Montreal. I had it on bits and pieces. I was changing tires uh, for the first two periods basically uh for the first period um so yeah thatcher demko here's here's the problem 828 save percentage tonight and that's one night whatever he's got an 879 on the year he has appeared in nine games he has started nine games he is one six and two in those nine games i don't i don't understand goalies right and we've always talked about you know, goalies being voodoo. And that's something that Halford and Bruff has always said, you know, Bruff especially. Uh, and I've sort of, you know, held on to that as well because goaltenders can have such highs and then fall off a cliff. You look at Demko here, you look at Cam Talbot, for example, in Ottawa, right? Similar story where he has completely fallen off a cliff for Ottawa, although only has played three games and still has a better save percentage than 897. So here's, here's where it gets tricky. Because last night, Spencer Martin gets the win. Sure, he loves four goals and I think 41 shots. Uh, tonight, Thatcher Demko, you know, again, it's one of those things where he's not giving up blatantly bad goals, but he's also not making blatantly amazing saves like we're used to. Uh, he has been basically average, slightly below average, because even an average goalie will make some miraculous saves from time to time, which he hasn't been doing. Spencer Martin has made some of those saves. You look at that Kachuk save last night, right on that breakaway where he gets the pad out and stretches out to save it. Um, you know, he's he's just been better. I said it last night, Clay. It's not Vancouver hockey without a goalie controversy. <laughs> so at what point do we get to goalie yeah. controversy level? Because this team is 4-7-3. and three. Yep. They can't afford to not play the hot goalie. And we can always say, look, Demko's the better goalie. He's the better fundamentals. He's highly regarded. He's been fantastic his whole career so far. You gotta, you know, you might just need to play him out of it. But the other part says there's no time to play him out of it. You have a goalie who's going in and being good every night. Where do you draw the line? Such a good point. Thank you for, for carrying the show for the last two minutes while I took care of business. A three... Spencer Martin, 3-0-3 last year. Didn't lose in regulation. This year, 3-0-1. You add that together, he is 6-0-4. When Martin plays, the Canucks have 16 out of a possible 20 points. That's 80%. That's an 800 points percentage. 
So basically, every time Martin plays, they get points. It, yeah, they're a 131-point team with Spencer <laughs> Now That's sustainable. I get Demko makes $5 million, and I'm not at all here, even though we're, we're kind of joking about a goalie controversy, which is par for the course here. But yeah, even when you look at them in the net, Martin looks more confident. And I love Demko. I think he's, he's awesome. But... Uh, maybe just maybe it's it's a good thing that the Canucks have a back-to-back again because we know that Martin's gonna get at least one of those two it, it's, it sounds so crazy for me to say that but I, I looked at this road trip and I said well Martin's getting two of these five for sure because yeah. there's two two back-to-backs and and if if they win the game that Martin plays and they lose the game that Denko plays how can you not look at it then Martin will be yeah will be four oh and one on the season crazy so the Canucks have like you said, back-to-backs here, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, 4 p.m. against Toronto, and it's a quick turnaround as the Sunday game's at 3 p.m. Pacific in Boston. Mm. Don't know Mm. why that is, um, but it is. Maybe to not get in the way of Sunday night football, I guess. I don't know. Are the Patriots (laughs) playing Sunday night football this week? That might be a weird... That that is weird. A weird weird wrinkle. Um, I don't think they are, though. Hold on, checking, yeah. checking. No, no, check, it's check, the Chargers check. and 49ers. I don't think they, that should matter. Okay. Um, but either way, which one do you think Demko gets? It's a two-day break, so both goalies are theoretically fresh going into Saturday. Um, no. There's been a bit of fuss around this Saturday game, you know, hmm. being Hockey Night in Canada, national TV, against the Leafs. Rutherford's already said, bad things about Boudreaux. The team can't catch a break. The team keeps losing. Who do you throw in Saturday in Toronto in what feels like a game that, you know, it, it's a statement game for the Canucks, yeah. right? Like it's a chance to, if they go out and beat Toronto, it's a chance to show, hey, you know what, maybe they do have something and, and it's one game, whatever. But if they go out and get trounced by Toronto on national television, you know, there could be some problems. It's so fascinating the way you lay that out, Parker, because as of now, Toronto is 7-4-3, and three, so 17 points in 14 games. Boston is 11-2, 22-13. Mm-hmm. So Boston is the much better team by standings. Toronto seems to be bigger stakes because of everything you just said. Uh, Rutherford, Boudreaux, National TV, Hockey Night in Canada. Then if you simply go on a... Well, right now we're going to alternate because... There, there's no number one goalie here or whatever, then technically it's Martin's turn. Uh, that's what I would do. I would go Martin on Saturday. Yeah, and I'm looking at it from from Boudreaux's perspective. And it's, yep. it's one of those ones where you, there's no right call because mm-hmm. he can look at this and say, Martin's been better. Martin gives us the best chance to win right now. Mm-hmm. However... If Martin goes out and gets shelled, everyone's going to say, wow, maybe you should have played your number one goaltender, your really good goaltender in Thatcher Demko. It is a yeah. back-to-back, so you can kind of, there's, you know, it's it's not like a one-off where he's just making him the starter. Uh, so I, I think he gets away with whichever he picks. I don't right. think it matters that much. What, but what would you do? What would you do? I, I think I'm going, I, look, I mean, which game do you think is more winnable? As of right now, I think it's that Saturday game. I agree. It's Toronto. And yep. I think the Canucks need two points out of these two games. Uh, so I am saying, yeah, I, I think you do go with, with Spencer Martin. Um, yeah. It's a big stage. You know, there's some pressure there. Yeah, I don't think Demko's handling the pressure great right now. I don't know if you yeah. want to throw him into that high-pressure scenario. 
Martin's yeah. just playing good hockey. As uh, so, and you can just tell him, hey, go play your game. You're up against a high-powered offense in Toronto, and maybe it's enough for the team to rally around and, and try to give him a result um, yeah. and try to keep that point streak alive um, for Spencer Martin. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough call. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, after this, you know, after Sunday, we are going to have basically a full picture um, with regards to the Canucks goaltending, right? I mean, yeah. Demko will have played 10 games at that point. Spencer Martin will have played six. Yep. Demko will either have one or two wins <laughs> at the end of it. Uh, <laughs> Martin will either have three or four. And, you know, we'll have a bit more of a full picture. And then at that point, you know, maybe we do start to have discussions of do you ride the hot goalie, you right. know, going into Buffalo on Tuesday, uh, another team that um, is kind of outperforming expectations, right? They're sixth in their division, but they're still above 500 because that yeah. Atlantic division is so good. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I was just going to bring up what Jar, Jarhead just said. Martin's from Ontario. And Demko, although from San Diego, he played at Boston College. So <laughs> if, if that makes a difference to anyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's, again, maybe an excuse that yep. Brudro could use, right? He'd be like, hey, I'm sure. not even a starter. You know, I'm putting these guys against the teams that matter most to them, and they're going to be sure. the most competitive in. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that helps. Um, yeah. But I'm, you know, again, I, I think either they're each going to get one. The Canucks yep. need to win one. Yeah. You know, they're, they're two good teams. Losing both is kind of expected. Sure. The Canucks are going to be the underdogs in both of these games yeah. uh, pretty heavily, I imagine. Um, and, yeah, they're going to have to get a result. What do you think of the Gallagher-Demko-OEL dust-up? So here's here's the thing. Like, when, when you look at it, oh, I shouldn't say this. At first I thought, uh, because I didn't see it happen live. I was at my church tonight, Wednesday night. But then when I saw the replay, I actually didn't think that Gallagher's thing was that bad. That was my first reaction. I'll be very honest. But then I thought, no, that's technically a spear, sorta. Even though it wasn't that hard, and you you can't do that to a goalie. And then I thought, of course, that uh, you know two on one, and then we end up getting the the extra penalty out of it. So uh, Demko showing his frustration. OEL standing up for his goaltender. Gallagher is so funny too. He's so annoying. It looked like he was just squaring off with OEL. Everything was fine, and Demko was just standing there. And then Gallagher went at Demko again. It was just, it was a, it was ludicrous. It was so silly. Yeah, out, off the beginning, you know, yeah. Gallagher's driving the net. I think he starts stopping late, right? As Oliver Ekman Larson puts the stick into sort of his side slash back and shoves him in further. Uh, Gallagher sticks in a bad spot though, right? That should be on the ice in yeah, theory. Not, so it's one yes. of those things where it's, I think, I think both of them are at fault here. Sure. Uh, sure. And of course he hit the goalie. So the team's going to be mad about it. Yeah. Uh, I do love Dvorak skating by tapping Ekman Larson on the head and then continuing to skate on, uh, which is funny. <laughs> and then yeah, Demko and OEL both go after him. Uh, Gallagher just sort of takes most of it uh, and gives a couple of shots back. I mean, yeah, I, I, I have no fault really on Gallagher here <laughs> looking at it. Right. I mean, uh, it's 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 a hard pest style that's going to make people angry. Yeah. And he's sort of towing the line there. But he got two people to go back after him. And, and yeah. I think he drew a penalty out of it. Yeah, so, he got a power play out of it. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I don't really have uh, I, I don't really have a problem with yeah. Gallagher there. Uh, two more questions I want to ask you. Uh, one more about Demko, then I, then I want to talk about our boy Rathbone. So Demko, you might have seen Thomas Drance's tweet said that 
the media requested to speak to Demko after the game, and he didn't. They didn't. The tweet wasn't that he refused, but he was unavailable. So basically, he the Canucks didn't make him available. Yeah, or or he decided not to. Um, I saw a lot of people saying that's fine. Uh, he if he's not in a in a the headspace to talk, or if he's not confident, why b- drag him out in front of the media? I saw equal number of people, Parker, say. What happened to accountability here? This guy should be professional. He's making a lot of money. Face the music just like the Sedins always did. Where do you come out on this one, or do you not really care? I think it's I think it's silly. Um, silly no, that he, that people are are going at the right. Canucks for not making him available. Right, right. right. Um, look, he's he's a goalie who you think he's trying to play bad. Do you think he's trying to tank for the Canucks? I don't, you think, you think I don't he's think a big so. Bedard fan and that's what he's trying to do? No, he's <laughs> he's struggling to to play the way that he has played, you yeah. know, historically. There's a ton of pressure on him. Uh, and, you know, he's trying to fix it. Uh, and maybe, you know, part of that is, you know, whether it's something as simple as changing his post-game superstition and that involving him needing to do something that prevents him from being able to the media, I, I doubt that. But uh, <laughs> honestly, for me, it's like, look, if he needs if he needs some space to to sort it out and to get his to get his mental game in check, so he can come back and be a better goalie, yeah. that's what we should want, right? We shouldn't, you know, if it's going to mess with him, and I'm not saying that he's fragile mentally or anything not that that's a problem if he were to be but that's not what we've seen historically from Demko but if it's going to if his mental game is getting in his way which is sort of what it seems to be maybe a lack of confidence you know maybe throwing him to the wolves doesn't help with that um I mean what what are you going to get out of him talking to the media right yeah. what you're going to ask him the questions like hey what's you know, what do you think is preventing you from, you know, playing at the level you once played? Like, what no. what answer are you expecting that yeah. is going to give you the value of of anything? Right? He's going to say, ah, you know, I'm I'm trying my, you know, I'm I'm out here, I'm I'm doing everything the right way, and and you know, it's just it's going to come or whatever. Like, he's going to say something cliche like that, and we're not going to get anywhere from it. Yeah, and Kai would agree with you. He says exactly. What is Demko going to say? You're right. He's going to say he's got to work his way out. He says he's got to. He can't let the team down. He's got to make a save. Obviously, he's not going to say, "Well, my defense sucks," or, right. or "JT Miller's got to stop giving it up." You're uh, giving the puck way up the middle. <laughs> yeah. No. It's. Uh, it's. Yeah. Again, yeah. I, I get the angle. Right. The yeah. like. Oh, the accountability and you know the Sidians would always face the music after the game, and you know I'm always very pro like they like the media should have as much access as possible because you know the fans are what pay the salaries and all that stuff and you know the media helps with you know making the game as big as it is and and drawing interest um but when everything is just a cliche answer and you're not really going to get anywhere i i think i'm much more on that towards like coaching and management where I think, you know, the individual players who have a bad night, I mean, you're just going to have a, you have bad nights sometimes and throwing you in front of a microphone isn't really going to change that. But, yeah. you know, management and and coaching, I, I think, are the ones who, you know, they're going to be held accountable more often. And that's why you see coaches get get on the mic after every game too. Um, I don't really have a problem with, with the goalie not being, you know, thrown to the wolves after a bad game. I agree with you. And I, in fact, uh, maybe I'm too much of a softie or whatever. I would actually feel uncomfortable if I was, I'd feel bad for Demko, quite frankly, if he was in front of the media. So none of us need to see that. That's that's certainly 
there's no benefit to it. That's not going to help him. It's not going to help him get ready for the next game, whenever that's going to be for him. Yeah, and I don't think we have the type of media that's going to be like incendiary towards him, right? right? right. Where they're, you know, you see it, you've seen it in like Edmonton before, uh, I think around like Mark Spector <laughs> primarily, where there's like a bat and, and you know, him guys. And Dreyse- will, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like things like that where there's like animosity. You know, I don't think, I don't think, you know, Drance or Farhan or Ian McIntyre are going to go yeah. up to him and be like, man, you played like garbage tonight. Like, <laughs> you think you're worth this five million? Like, you're not going to do that. So I don't think it's that bad, but still, like, it, it doesn't, there's not much to gain. Right, right, right. Okay, before I, we talk about our boy Rathbone, I have one more, uh, pretty obvious one, but let's, let's just do a small test for you. Whose stat line is this? You ready? Minus two, four penalty minutes, six minutes of ice time, and I'm going to add in left the game injured. That sounds like Tanner Pearson. Yeah, that was rough, man. That was rough. Yeah, what happened? I didn't see the play. Yeah, actually, I don't. He left with. Me neither. Me neither. But they were saying it could be his arm or wrist. I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought someone saying it might be his, his hand as opposed to... Did you say he had a penalty? Yeah, two. Two minors. Two pe- what is What is going on with Tanner Pearson? And then they're always in the offensive zone... There's just so bad. He's just, I like. Yeah, oh. guy, the guy had 30 penalty minutes last year. He has 21 already this year. And I don't <laughs> want to go after a guy right when he gets hurt. But I mean, let's just pretend that our show is on Monday like it normally is. Okay, let's pretend. Uh, and and he hasn't been hurt yet because I have I, I there has been almost no upside from Tanner Pearson this year. He always comes out. He always puts up you know half point a game. You look at last year, right? 34 yep. points in 68 games. He was he was good last year. He was exactly as advertised last year. At yep. this point, you know, coming into this game, five points in 13 games, yep. uh, a, a dash uh, nine, although did it was he minus this game, minus two, so a dash seven coming into this game. Yeah. Um, and being on the low end of everything. I, I had a tweet a couple days ago uh, where I said, why is Pearson on the ice with 30 seconds to go? Uh, no, I said, sorry, I said, why are Dries and Pearson on the ice with two minutes to go? And then I said, why is Pearson on the ice with 30 seconds to go? And that was during the game against Nashville. Um, <laughs> and then I had a response that said, why are so many people under the impression that Tanner Pearson isn't good? And I said, maybe it's the 37% yes. expected goals while he's on the yeah. ice. Maybe it's the 45% Corsi. Saw maybe that. it's the boatload of penalties. And maybe it's all that with 60% of his starts coming in the offensive zone. Um, wow. That's like he is fallen off a, a cliff um i don't know if it's the jim rutherford like breathing down his neck that's that's causing it and again he's hurt now which makes this feel mean but um you know i think if he wasn't hurt i think he'd be gone in the next week yeah yeah and uh as we know rutherford has traded him twice already in his career yeah. <laughs> okay so so um let's talk about jack rathbone i like this player you like this player we were both raving about this player when we saw him in uh, the canucks uh, training camp in abbotsford last year we were both clamoring for him to get in the lineup ahead of the riley stillman who uh, inexplicably kept starting games uh, on the left side and i tweeted tonight uh, parker as much as i well this is what i said i said i want jack rathbone to succeed but his puck management is horrible Misplayed the puck on Montreal's fourth goal and gave away the puck in the Canucks zone, leading to Montreal's fifth goal. Now, I get his high-risk reward. You pair him with another high-risk, high-reward player, Ethan Bear, and it becomes very risky. 
And um, I get that he's a rookie, and I had a couple of people come back to me and say, well, you have to let young players make mistakes. You have to live with his mistakes. And I agree to that, with that to some extent, but not when the team's in as fragile place as it is. So maybe it changes when Dermot's healthy in a week. Maybe now Dermot's the third left shot guy behind Oyo and Hughes, and now we don't worry about this. But I, I was really disappointed in Rathbone's game tonight. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he's he's an offensive defenseman, mm-hmm. and he's only played like 60, I guess 70 at this point, professional games, Yeah. right? However, yeah. he is 23, right? Mm. He, you know, he was sort of an overage of the whole way. Uh, and the Canucks drafted him five years ago at this point. Um, yeah. At some point, he needs to take the jump. Part of it, part of the problem is the Canucks haven't given him much opportunity to take the jump. I mean, you look at the 2020-2021 year, right? Yeah. The, yep. the COVID year, he played 16 professional games, right? Yeah, yeah. Last year, he was able to get almost a full season in Abbotsford. I mean, he played 48 professional games last year, Yeah. right? He's just, he's not getting enough time to get professional hockey game experience. And last year was great. He's a point per game in the AHL last year which is great. It's a big step, though, from the AHL to the NHL, yeah. uh, and he hasn't made that jump yet. He's sort of, right now, a, a stereotypical in-between guy. Normally, for a 23-year-old defenseman, I would be saying, okay, well, we're getting to the point where you either are or you aren't an NHL player. Um, however, I'm so inclined to give him more leash because of the flashes he's had, especially mm-hmm. offensively, especially in the AHL last year, especially yeah. with his skating and his edge work and all that. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he just hasn't played enough, right? Like sure. he's played 80 professional games in yeah. his life. Like that's one in the last three years, he's basically played one season of pro hockey. Sure. It's, it's not enough to get, you know, him enough reps. It's not enough time for us to write him off as an NHL player in 23 games. Yeah. Um, it just sucks that it's coming at a time where the Canucks need wins. Yes. So it, it, it every, you know, you need a scapegoat and he, he was bad tonight. Right. Yeah. Um, but a 23 year old defenseman who's played 22 NHL games coming into tonight, he's going to have a bad night. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I'm, I'm part of me wants to just be like, you know what, whatever, it doesn't matter. They're not playing good enough. He needs to play better. But also it's like, well, he's been against all odds the entire way, basically, mm-hmm. um, that I, I, I can't write him off at this point. Yeah, no, me neither. I'm not writing him off. I, I'm a little bit dis- disappointed, but I, I got to remember he is a rookie, just like Hoglander and Podkolzin have had rough patches for sure. But, 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 but I, I don't see where this goes for him this year, Parker, because if Travis Dermott does return, let's say uh, on the when the Canucks return home in a week and a half from now, then he's not playing ahead of Dermott. He's not playing ahead of Hughes. He's not playing against OEL. So is he your seventh or your, 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 you know, first guy up on the left side again, barring an injury? I don't know. Yeah. I think, look, the Canucks have the advantage at this point of having their AHL team be local. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think the second that he's out of the lineup, I, I mean, you get him down to Abbott's for playing hockey games, right? Like get him playing every other night, every three nights, whatever it is. Um, just to get more reps and get him more comfortable with the professional game, right? We know he can play in the AHL. Get yeah. him out there on the ice, you know, make get him playing 28 minutes a night of pro yeah. hockey. 
yeah. and and let him develop more. Having him sitting in the press box, sure he's getting NHL practices, NHL salary, all that, but you know, at the, at some point he's got to be getting ice time. He's got to be getting games in. Um, so I think the moment he becomes the seventh defenseman, the Canucks have enough seventh defensemen, <laughs> right? They, they have bodies that they can put in the press box, yeah. um, send him down, get him playing HL games. Someone gets hurt, pull him back up and maybe have him come in every other night back in the lineup. Right. Especially sure. if they're at home. Right. I mean, it's down the road. Um, so yeah. I really see no reason why they wouldn't be, you know, maximizing his playtime. Okay, so what I'm hearing is you're not too worried even when Dermot comes back as long as they are smart with the way they utilize them. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair. All right, that, we got about uh, five or seven minutes before we turn it over to the people. Uh, of these three, which one do you want to talk about? Um, Rutherford's comments about lack of structure and, and, and system. Do you want to talk about how Bo Horvat keeps scoring or do you want to talk about Evander Kane's injury? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know why I'm laughing. Kane's injury. Okay, that's, that's fine. That's that's too sad. Like it's too depressing. Uh, yeah, too yeah. bloody. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Horvat. I think. Okay. Um, yeah, he the the Canucks aren't gonna be able to pay him. I know. I, I mean, you look at you look at the cap space situation going into next year, right? I think they have what like fourteen million is what it was when I looked mm. when I did my JT Miller video, and I haven't looked since. Okay. Um, projected cap space. Where do you even see that? Uh, oh, there's like too much math involved. Uh, here it is. Okay. Uh, 12.58 million in projected cap space for next season. That is with Bo Horvat unsigned. That is with yep. Kuzmenko unsigned. That is with Hoaglander signed up, uh, unsigned up front. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's basically it right on the back end. We're talking about Ethan bear, uh, Luke Shen, Kyle Burroughs, right? Cheap, 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 cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah. So theoretically, Next year, they could sign Bo Horvat for $8 million a year or more yep. Yep. and make it work barely, but the team gets no better, right? They, they, do, they do no evolution into next year because they are still capped out. And then the following year, Elias Pettersson needs a new contract, and he's going to be making, uh, I think, eight digits at this point mm -hmm. based on the mm -hmm. way he's playing. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Canucks basically have no one, you know, they'd have no one signed for 2024, 25. Um, and they only have $40 million of available space that year because they're already going to be playing, paying JT Miller, Brock Besser, throw $10 million on Pedersen, so that takes it down to $30 million of cap space for that year. And yeah. then you basically have to fill out the entire rest of your forward group other than Besser, Pedersen, Miller, Garland, Mikheyev. And then right. your entire defense other than Quinn Hughes and Oliver Larson. Right. And right, a backup right, goalie. Right. So the, the <laughs> right. Like, and then again, you throw in the 8 million on Horvat for that, uh, Pedersen extension year. And now you're down to tw 21, 22 million to sign five defensemen and <laughs> like eight forwards at least. Right. The math doesn't work. It doesn't. This team doesn't, doesn't get better. Oh, and that's, uh, I, I saw, I think, People's frustration really, really rose tonight, Parker, because I saw so many tweets about just blow this thing up. Just why would you want to continue for more years with a cap strap team that obviously can't put more than two wins together? Blow it up, get as many young assets as you can, create cap space, which is the biggest weapon in the NHL. And I, and I was thinking about this too, as much, yeah, yeah. 
this is what I was thinking, Parker, because we're in the same boat. We both talk about as content creators, it's more fun when the Canucks are winning. Our channels, this channel, do better when the Canucks are winning. But it's one thing to have a short-term one bump of a season like the bubble season, and sure, it gives our, our channels a little bit of a bump. But if we look big picture, imagine if this team was a perennial playoff powerhouse every year just how much better it would it would be just from a morale standpoint for teams so uh, i it would give it it would actually give us a lot of content too i would actually be fine if they blew this thing up i because re- how many years are we going to go do this yeah how many years are we going to have the 20th best team in, ho- yeah. in hockey right yes. like it's yes. it's unsustainable uh and then you get people who don't want to be here anymore right do mm-hmm. do free agents want to come to the team that has been the twentieth best team in hockey forever that has no cap space and no and no prospects, yeah. really? Right? Like there's there's seemingly no upside, and we're at the point where, you know, this was it. This was the team that's supposed to push for the playoffs. Then you can make little additions here and there to to try and get further. Yeah. Uh, and they've won four hockey games this year, and we're a month into the season. Oh, isn't it crazy though? Because and I know we both talked about this on, on our shows yesterday. With a win, or at least we think about it, with a win tonight, the Canucks would basically be right on that wild card bar and only one game under five hundred. You could say, okay, take two of the next three. As tough as it's going to be against Toronto, Boston, and Buffalo, and you come home after whatever sixteen games, seventeen games, and you're exactly yeah. five hundred, starting a homestand. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason that it's so hard to see that is just the way that they have played, right? Yeah, you know that tonight's game, they were just completely outclassed by a rebuilding Habs team. Uh, yeah. That loss to Nashville, where they are against a not very good Nashville team, and just found a way to blow the lead. They're against you know the Senators, and they get scored on four times by the Senators and get outplayed for two periods. Yeah, they haven't shown that they are better than any good teams yet. Like, they just haven't. They beat Seattle. Not a good team, right? They're fine. They're doing fine this year. Good on them. But, like, they're not a good team. They're not a great team. No, they're not. The the Penguins, they beat in the middle of a terrible skid, so they had nothing going for them. They yep. beat the Ducks. The Ducks aren't a good hockey team. They've won, no. you know, they've won four games all season as well uh, without the luxury of taking two extra ones to OT. And then they beat Ottawa, who's also not good, right? They're four and eight. Yeah. So they have not beat a good team yet. And even the teams they have beat, they haven't looked all that great except that Pittsburgh game, really. Yep. And I guess the Anaheim game, you could right. say. And we know, because we're so positive tonight, well, we're just being realistic. Uh, it kind of looks a little ugly for the last half of this month. L.A.? Who's doing well? Vegas, second best team in the league, best team in the league. Colorado champions. Vegas again. Uh, San Jose, they, they suck. And then Washington, another very good team. So it's the second half of November is going to be tougher than the first half. Yeah, I mean, there's a world like you look at Toronto, Boston. Yeah, they are likely to lose both of those. Buffalo, fifty-fifty. I'd, but they're on the road. They're probably the underdogs there. Sure, they're probably the underdogs against LA. They're yep. probably the underdog in all but one remaining game in November, and that's mm-hmm. the San Jose game. Yep. So there is a real world where they have seven wins at the end of November, maybe eight. So you're telling sure, me they could be worse than last year when they there, fired <laughs> There's also a world where they win some of these games and they turn it around, right, that we just haven't seen it. 
yeah. right? And I don't want to say it's impossible. Um, the roster has shown they can score lots of goals, but they also can't get a save from Thatcher Demko, mm-hmm. uh, and they can't hold a lead. So if this team, like this is a team, they will probably have a lead at one point in half of these games because they are good enough to score these goals, uh, but they will probably also lose that lead in a handful as well. Uh, and that's where the, the problem really lies, uh, and that's why it's hard to be optimistic. Uh, coming into tonight, the Canucks had a 35% chance at the playoffs per the athletic, right? They were mm-hmm. still in it, right? Not mm-hmm. like they were at 49 at the start of the year, 35, whatever you can still make it happen. Um, but getting just completely outclassed by the Habs who were also on a back-to-back keep in mind. It wasn't that the Canucks yeah. were the only team on a back-to-back tonight. Um, you know, these next two games against two really good teams in Toronto and Boston, that's going to be a real show potentially of how the Canucks just are not near that level unless they win one of them. In which case, we're back in, you know, playoffs are back on the menu, potentially. Guess what? uh, I'll give you a hint. It's not 32nd. Guess what place they are in in goals against per game. But it's not 32nd. So I know they've allowed, I think, five goals in 50% of their games. Mm -hmm. And I think four goals against in all but like three or four. Mm Mm-hmm. And a, there's a one in there and a couple threes, correct? Yeah. So they've they've played how many games have they played so far? Fourteen. Fourteen, 14. games, and they've probably allowed fifty goals, maybe more. Yeah, fifty-seven they, goals. Fifty-seven. They're four. They're they're four point zero seven. Four point zero seven goals, goals a game. A game. But that's only third worst because Anaheim is four point five seven and Columbus is four point five eight. Yeah. Yeah. Columbus is bad. Columbus is really bad. Um, yeah, it's good choice, it's Johnny real. Hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, there there's a way out of it, right? Like you look at you look at the path out, and that path out is penalty kill starts clicking at eighty percent. Thatcher Demko goes back to being a nine ten goaltender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those two things happen. Everything else stays the same. Yeah. The Canucks are probably close to a playoff team right like we look at the first 14 games here where the Canucks have won four of them yep if we imagine Thatcher Demko in his nine games if he is if he's at a 910 instead of an 870 <laughs> right that's a couple wins right there if the yeah. penalty kill wasn't allowing a goal literally every single game but two and it's not always one it's sometimes more yeah. you know that's a win or two right there as well and that's sort of jumps in with that lumps in with Demko being an 870 I'm sure um but like this is a this is a team that if goaltending is good and the penalty kill is good this is a team that's probably won seven or eight games at this point yeah. and yeah. we are in an entirely different mode of ah they're kind of on a slow start but they're in a playoff spot and at least you know they're not behind the eight ball yet yeah um but those two things and just poor defensive play in general mm-hmm. have just put this set this team so far behind that it's hard to see that way out of it when you know it's not it's not a 14 game sample size on the penalty kill right Right. it's a 100 game sample size on the penalty kill going back to last year um the demco thing is different because that is just a nine game sample size where if that turns around you know things might look a little different so let's presume we're doing our show back on monday for the first time it seems like forever we have two games to talk about on that show. Are we talking about two wins, two losses, or a split? 
I think the Canucks should, if the Canucks get a split out of this, they are, they should be feeling really good about themselves. Uh, I think, and I bet they're, I bet they're the better team one of these nights too. Based on what we've seen, I bet they do something weird where they have a really good 40 (laughs) minutes and lose in Toronto. I, I don't see, you know, the odds are that they lose both of these games, right? I mean, they're probably, they're probably 65, 35. Yeah, to Toronto, and they're probably yeah. like seventy-two twenty-eight to Boston is where I would put it. Right. Um, so your odds there of winning a game of winning one of them, like fifty-five percent to win sure. maybe one of those two games. Yeah. Um, that's not good enough odds for me. Um, I would I would parlay both of these losses together, and <laughs> it probably still wouldn't be very much money that you get from it. Uh, I, I just don't see them, you know, just what we've seen from the team there. There's nothing to indicate that they will win, but nothing makes sense. So they'll probably win both of them. Exactly. I'm going a win against Toronto loss against Boston. That's what I think. And I would be fine with that. Yeah, I would, that would be great. I'd love to be Toronto on Saturday, oh, yeah. uh, in Toronto, 4 PM. That would be beautiful. Um, yeah. doesn't feel very likely. I think Matt Murray is rumored to maybe be back for that one. Oh, good. Maybe. So Bester should be fine then. Maybe, yeah, maybe a blessing in disguise for the Canucks, right? Although, you know, the Maple Leafs are, are so, you know, crippled goaltending-wise. Yeah. Um, where I don't even I, – I could name Schalgren. I don't know who their other goalie is. Um, but I know he's, like, their fifth stringer, which probably isn't great because um, yeah. they have no roster spots. But, uh, yeah, Matt Murray likely back or potentially back, which, yeah, could mean good things for Brock Bester to get back in the swing of things. Yeah. Um, and you know, Murray's been historically not great against the Canucks. So that might be, you know, a blessing in disguise. Good. I love it. So I don't know if you want to jump in the comment section for three minutes or if we just <laughs> sure pull a couple, pull a couple. Okay. Let's go. It's let's all go. you. Uh, okay. 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 There's a lot of, uh, a lot of talk about who our untouchables are, but we won't, we'll let them, uh, talk about those. The Canucks have two untouchables. Who are they? It's Patterson and Hughes. You know what's so fascinating? Uh, actually, and I, I, I trust you're saying that without even looking at the comment section. I was scanning it. The big debate is whether or not Demko is untouchable anymore. That's what, they, that's what everyone in the chat's talking about. It would be really dumb to trade him right now. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's untouchable. Huh. Um, love it. Love it. Because I, I just don't think goalies are ever untouchable unless they are like Vasilevsky, right? Or yeah. maybe Shesterkin's in that conversation at this point too, um, mm. but goalies goalies are weird, you know. I, I again, I, I don't think he's untouchable, but I think it would take a ransom um, to make a move like that. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I think right now, you know, the untouchables are those two. Okay, Hughes and Pedersen. That's fair. That's fair. The elder says, "What's your opinion of Islander scouts at the Canucks game? It's got to be a trade prospect." Uh, I don't think it means anything. Yeah. There's, there's scouts from like eight to 10 teams at every game. Yeah. They got to send them somewhere. You know, they're paying them. It's true. And you have guys that live here, for instance, like, yeah, I know a guy that lived here, a guy from my church who was a a scout for the Calgary Flames. So it's, it's not a, you're right, Parker. It's not a big deal to, and sometimes we just don't know, but there's always scouts in, in every arena. Every night. That's a great right. point. Yeah, there's yeah. a very real chance. And I don't know the ins and outs of this particular scout or who it was, but yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, you could have a you could have a scout for the New York Islanders who just lives in Montreal 
and yep. just goes to all of the games in Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa and sort yeah. of rotates those three and that's his job and scouts mm -hmm. all the teams that go in and out of there, right? That's yeah. not out of the out of the question. Do you see Nikita Zaitsev on waivers today? Uh, yeah, Elias here says it's weird. I don't think it's weird. He's not good and he's very expensive. Um, he's, <laughs> I think he makes four million a year, four and a half million dollars a year for this yeah. year and next. Yeah. Uh, and he's sort of in and out of the lineup. I mean, he is he has always been not very good mm -hmm. uh, as a defenseman. You know, he put up some points in his first year in Toronto and kind of backpacked off that um, for a while. But yeah, you know, he's always been. Uh, not very great. Sure. And let's end with this one. I do not believe that Miller and Horvat have a riff going on in the locker room. I don't. I, I Obviously, I'm sure Horvat wasn't thrilled that Miller gets a brand new contract and Horvat's left twisting in the wind. But when I don't think that has anything to do with what they do on the... I, I, I don't think there's a rift. Yeah, and I don't think... I don't think it would make much sense. Like if that was the reason that Miller had a new contract and Horvat didn't. Right, right. That's right. not Miller's fault. No. Nope. Right? That's management going out and giving him a contract first. And Correct. you know, yes. that's that's a good reason to be bad at management. But yep. Uh, yep. not to be mad at you know, if they're buddies, you're like, yeah, dude, get the bag, right? Get get paid, right? You're you're rooting for each other. Um if there's that like I think that was the one Sakara story that sort of got away, and then everyone sort of like looked back at that a little bit. Um, you know, maybe they maybe they don't love each other, but you know, I I I don't think that's the reason the team's not doing well. I agree with you completely. Oh, lastly, my question to you: You like Horvat as a center or a winger? Horvat is a center. Sorry, sorry, Miller. Sorry, Miller is a center <laughs> winger. Yes, of course. I like JT Miller as a winger. I yeah. I think that as a centerman, you have so much more responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, I know personally when I play forward, and I always I always think I should be a center because I'm going to be better defensively, and I usually am better defensively because I'm a defenseman. Right. Um, however, I contribute absolutely nothing offensively when I play center. There's too much <laughs> going on. I'll play wing and I'll put up points. Um, and I think that's JT Miller's job. I, he's not yeah. good enough defensively to warrant him as a center. And when he's on the wing, he produces. And yep. if he can, and that's what that's what you're paying him to do. You're paying him to put up 80 points this year. Uh, and putting him on the wing, he has been much better. And I think he should just stay over there uh, and not have the puck deep in his own zone and passing it to Kirby Doc. Couldn't say it any better myself. All right, folks, if you enjoy the show, make sure you hit like, hit subscribe, do all that good stuff. If you missed any part, you can rewind back to the beginning or find it on your favorite podcast platform in a matter of about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave five-star reviews, do all that good stuff. You can find me at Parker's Bucks on Twitter, Parker's Bucks on YouTube. You can find Clay at Canuck Clay on YouTube, Canuck Clay on Twitter, all that good stuff. Clay, any parting words for this evening? Well, two things. Parker, it's great to be back. I, I did miss the fact that there was something missing in my life last week, and it was obviously our show, but at least we got uh, four Canucks wins to talk about, uh, not tonight. And uh, yeah, it's, and who, who knows? We get back on Monday, and hopefully we're talking about the Canucks being, once again, only one game under 500, but uh, it's going to be a tall tale for sure. Yeah, it will be tough. Uh, so yeah, enjoy the games this weekend. Hopefully they are good. Uh, hopefully the Lions win on Sunday. Hopefully our Seahawks win on Sunday at 6.30 a.m. Alarm is already set. Uh, the mimosas will be ready. Uh, <laughs> so I hope everyone has a good night. 
Uh, have a good rest of your week. Have a good long weekend. And we will see you all next time.